Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew of Westy and old Sammy Barnacles over there. <laughs> Sammy Barnacles. Oh, He's Sammy back. Barnacles. He's back. He never left. Sammy Barnacles never left. Uh, it's an inside joke for anyone who has no idea what Sammy Barnacles is, but trust me, it's hilarious. Uh, it's we, for the, we know that for sure. For any of the listeners, it's completely it makes no sense, which probably makes it better. Um, it's probably the best nicknames never make sense. Probably the reason why it'll catch on a bit. Absolutely, Sammy Barnacles. Uh, yeah, we're coming to you a bit on an early earlier version. Uh, normally record one of the nights, but it was a bank holiday. It's now Tuesday. Uh, it's lunchtime. It's it's all it's bright outside. I'm all I'm all messed up. Uh, but it was what worked in our schedule, so we're gonna do it. Westy, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, pretty good weekend at the college match on Saturday, then into Goway on Sunday for the Boffins Parade and a few nice pints. Um, it's really great to see town so busy and so many people around. Um, yeah, really good, uh, really nice bank holiday weekend. Nice, yeah, the Mac Parade looked pretty sick, not gonna lie. They look pretty yeah, dope, it's very impressive. Um, Sam, how was your weekend? Good. I'm good at now. I didn't get to go to Max Parade. I love going every year, but we just, our daughter was a bit tired and we were coming back from Athlone having had to pick her up and it just logistically wouldn't have made sense. She wouldn't have enjoyed it, probably would have cried and got scared. So we, we gave it a miss this year, but I'm good because I saw the pictures, Westy, on your partner's Instagram and they looked class. It looked like such a good event. It's one of the highlights of the year every year. Uh, and something I think quite special for Galway as well. So other than that, was at a wedding, uh, Jess and Daniel, a great night in the Galway Bay Hotel. Uh, previous weddings I've been at, Westy was my date. Uh, my date this time wasn't wasn't as fun as Westy. <laughs> but uh, no, I had a lovely, lovely weekend. And now I'm off for a week, that teacher life, man. First of all, you're lucky that your girlfriend does not listen to this podcast, or else you'd be in the doghouse right there. I'll tell you that. You're lucky that none of our girlfriends <laughs> listen to this podcast. <laughs> so you're lucky that no one will tell her. Uh, yeah, good bank holiday weekend. Uh, got some golfing yesterday, which is nice. 18 holes. It was given rain, didn't rain once. Couldn't believe it. It was a Christmas, it was a Halloween miracle. Um, and yeah, got to go to the Connacht game at Westy. Uh, we brought our girlfriends as well. It was a nice little double date. And then went for a pint of pizza in Glynn's, which was delicious. The, God, the pizza's so good. Hey, Glynn's, sponsor us. God. It's, coming, it's actually becoming my post-Connacht match ritual now. Like that, that's the last two weeks I've got the Glynn's had the same pizza and a pint after the match. What a ritual, though. What yeah. a ritual. I saw builders um, in the I saw builders in the smoking area of the thatch, so it could be that could be getting something going, uh, which would be unbelievable. We were discussing this at work though. Why would they what are they gonna do? The outside's already nice. My fear is that they're taking it down. No, I'd say they're add I'd say what they're doing is adding something uh like a Glynn's pizza thing, like putting something in, making it a bit. Like a trampoline. Ooh. I just like a burger bar would be so good. Like if you got like a handsome burger or something in the back of there, I'd never leave. Yeah, but one of the unique selling points of Tatch was that there was no, it was old school. It was just your pints. Yeah, you know you've, I mean? you've got, you've already got like a burger bar in the back of Townhouse. So, like a townhouse? Or a porterhouse, sorry. Um, oh, porterhouse. I did have yeah, a gigas. I did have a gigas. I had a gigas uh, Sunday night. Or, uh, yeah, Sunday night. So good. For those of you who are listening from outside of the Ornmore area, uh, next time you're coming past, just pop into gigas. It's probably the best takeaway in Ireland, I'd say. If you're not an Oran moron like us three, uh, although Wes has been disrespectful in the past to Gigas, I didn't, I never appreciated it. Wes, did you want to apologize? Uh, no, I do not. Son of a bitch. Got a kebab in Giovanni's the other day. Geo's, you're a local now, Wes. It's Geo's. Come on, you're better than this. 
So we apologise. Apologise, everyone. Right, we'll get stuck into rugby um, instead of takeaway reviews. Although that could be a great podcast. Um, we'll kick off with the Rugby World Cup final. It is done. It is Finn. Two months of our lives now gone. Uh, and South Africa are your World Cup champions back to back. Um, the last time someone did that was literally the two previous World Cups when New Zealand did it. So not as not as exciting as I thought it would be. Uh, but South Africa win by one point, twelve points to eleven. They won their quarter semis and final all by a point, uh, which is very very impressive. No tries, four penalties, didn't score in the second half, and yet they come out on top. Uh, it's just a classic South Africa performance. Um, plenty of talking points in this one, uh, Westy. First of all, did you enjoy the game, the spectacle? Uh, I did. I, I really did. I thought it was a, uh, a tense, uh, you know, uh, exciting enough game. There was there was some expanse of the rugby been played. Okay, obviously South Africa played kind of a reductive game plan, especially in the second half. Um, but no, I did. I think I think like okay, the occasion is, is always good for a rugby World Cup final. And again, people. I've already heard people giving up and like, oh, like if that's the best we've got, then you know, like the quarterfinals are better. And it's like, yeah, of course. A, a final, a finals football is isn't a, a spectacle of like let's throw the ball around and have as much fun as possible. It's conservative. It's it's you're taking the points on offer. You're trying to limit the opportunities of your opponent. Like, I, I think it's great that we had a quarterfinal of four of the best games of rugby of the year, and then okay, the final. Final is for rugby fans. It's not. It's not a recruitment tool. It's. Uh, it's two teams going out there doing everything they can to to get the win. And sometimes that looks a little bit more conservative than teams will play in the pool stages or the quarters. So, uh, I found it really. I thought it was a really interesting game. Um, I struggled throughout it, not knowing who I was, who I wanted to win or who I wanted to lose. But uh, no, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game. Um, uh, I know there's been some kind of controversy around some of the referee decisions, but like. Honestly, lads, you don't win a game on one penalty being given against you or not been given against you. New Zealand left five points on the table from missed kicks. You can't say that this one penalty is what lost it for them. Um, obviously, the cards as well, kind of people love to talk about it, but you can't let something go just because it's a World Cup final. You, you have to you have to ref what happens. And, you know, unfortunately for Sam Kane, you cannot come from an offside position and smack somebody in the face with your shoulder. It's just not a, it's not a style allowed. Yeah, you you could kind of see online who watches rugby and who doesn't watch rugby a lot because a the whole that ruined the game brigade were out, which was you know they're always there thereabouts lurking, and b they're like oh well see Cleesey why was his yellow not a red and you're like okay well like you obviously don't watch a lot of rugby see Cleesey's bent there's no direct head contact he doesn't drive upwards there's a lot of differences in the two, uh, like at the end of the day for the people who are saying it's ruined the game. How many years has head contact been a thing in rugby? The last five, six years, it's been like it's been a, a like an actual world rugby are are are, are, are like looking at it. Yeah, they've progressed. You're still getting down. caught. Yeah, if you're still getting caught, like Sam Kane's getting caught, you're an idiot. Like uh, how many years does it need to be? Eight years before you start maybe maybe taking it seriously. Like come on, like it's just it's stupid. And I feel bad for Sam Kane because he's obviously he's already always getting bad repping or bad media coverage in New Zealand. That this is not going to help. Um, but it was a stonewall red card. That and just as you said, West, just because it's a final, you can't be like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Uh, Next, no, if this was a group game, you'd be in serious trouble. I like, also, on, like, I also totally guys. disagree with this. I want, I would love this debate to stop. Red cards don't ruin games. Players one, breaking the rules. One point game. Yeah, one point game. England got a red card in their first game against Argentina, and they still won it. Do you know, like this, these hap- this happens all the time. It's not a guaranteed win. You know. The only way that would be true is if every time they got a red card, they were losing by 30, 40 points. And we very rarely see that happen. Um, 
Most, okay, more often than not, the team with the most players probably win, but like you still get these great contests. So a red card does not ruin games. Last week, New Zealand were criticised for leaving their 15th man off when he came back from his yellow. But that was good practice because in fairness to them, they they really did need to use that uh, ability to play with 14 men. Yeah, it's... it's Look, it, it's... Is it a perfect system? No, but Sam Kane, that was it was silly. He'll he'll admit that himself. Um, he did. But look, yeah. this his yeah. post match press conference was really honest. He was like, "This is being clamped down on. I shouldn't have done it. I it was a red." Like he's he stood up to it. And I like I have such respect for him. He was getting a lot of abuse the last couple of years. West, you mentioned it before. He was getting a personal abuse, and the New Zealand media are very. They're almost like mid nineties, two thousand. English paparazzi sort of media they're really personal in the way that they go after players and I think the Sam Kane probably is going to get a bit of brunt of that just kind of in, in the David Beckham World Cup sort of vein but he doesn't deserve it uh, and I think Irish media were o- overly harsh on him based purely off the fact that uh, Peter Mahoney called him a shit Richie McCaw I think that Irish media just took that for gospel and decided that he was a shit player when he wasn't uh, and he's done a really really good job of being a replacement uh Captain for Richie McCaw in the last couple of years, and I, I feel so bad for him because it happened in the biggest stage there, and that's the sort of thing that lives with you forever. Yeah, and look at let's let's get one thing straight. Fantastic insult by Peter Armani. Like that Ooh. really probably cut him to the core. But yeah, you're right. It's like Sam Kane is still an, an incredible player. He destroyed us in the quarterfinal. Um but yeah, like uh, all that sort of sort of stuff aside, again, it all tends to balance out over the space. Uh, Quaggus Smith, uh, it's the stuff that more stuff annoys me is that Quaggus Smith that that turnover late, he's clearly one hand on the ground. Barnes is on the wrong side of that, so you can't get mad at him for not seeing that. Who you should be getting mad at is the TMO and the touch judge on that side. They should be seeing that. So like Matt Williams is like shite after the game, obviously, like you know, my fault for tuning into Virgin Media, but it was either that or Hugh Cal, and you know what I mean. What a great choice that is! But he's right in one sense that yes, there should be more support there for the referee because Wayne Barnes gets the brunt of that for not getting that call right. But Wayne Barnes literally can't see through people; like he can't see through bodies and see Quagga Smith's left hand on the ground. I we saw it straight away on TV, but guess what? We have an incredible angle with the TV camera. So it's obvious to us, but it's not obvious to win Barnes. So the touch judge on that side, or even the TMO, they should be spotting that straight away. Another one that annoyed me was the knock on the line-out because it, it, it led to an incredible try by New Zealand that was disallowed. And that's just annoying because we saw the incredible spectacle and then had to be brought back. Whereas if that's called straight away, which it should have been because it's pretty obvious, that, that doesn't happen. But small, but again, you know, is win Barnes the reason that New Zealand didn't win this game? No. Um, like if that's your argument, then you're struggling. But I look, I don't want to talk about the negativity. I don't necessarily want to talk about New Zealand. I'm seeing a lot of crap around New Z- uh, South Africa, uh, being crap champions, not the best team, and all that. You can argue that all you want, but they've done. They've won back to back World Cups. That is incredibly, incredibly hard to do. That's incredibly, incredibly impressive. Uh, they've gone through some outrageous teams to get there, uh, and now they sit on top uh, of the world once again. Uh, Westy, a testament to uh, an incredible team and an incredible uh, coaching staff. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be really interesting to see now what happens with Yaki Sninovar joining uh, joining Leinster in a couple of weeks um, after what I'm sure will be a very few weeks of celebrating. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. Like it's 
you know, I, I, I did say, right, that, that they played kind of a reductive game plan against New Zealand, but against France, they played a much more expansive game plan and scored three tries in the first half. You know, like, so what's great about South Africa, which I think we kind of said before the World Cup, is that they have developed their game plan. It's not just this smashy, smashy kind of hold the ball in game plan that they play. They, they, they do have a really, really exciting backline uh, <coughs> who can, who when called upon, you know, can, can deliver. Um, but yeah, I think. You can argue the minutia and say, well, maybe they're not the best team in the world. Um, although, I, you know, I, I think they're definitely one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world. Um, and as I say, back-to-back World Cups, they've been at a consistently high level. They've been able to take defeats and, and move forward. They've been able to, um, you know, take drastic changes to their squad. They've got Dion Forey, a, a back row, getting his first cap as hooker at 34. Um, it's... Uh, what they've created with the Springboks over the last kind of five years has been really, really impressive. Um, it'll be really interesting to see where they go from here because with Razzie and Jack both leaving, uh, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in and, and how they carry on that environment because, uh, again, most of that team is still, I want to say, relatively young. Okay, you'll start to see a few of them age out, but the likes to see in Everett I think, are, are probably still eyeing up to be in the next, in the next World Cup and, and a good few others at that as well. Um, so yeah, and even with the, um, you know, what they say, uh, Andre Ballard is the, is the highest scoring hooker at the World Cup or something, was there uh, some joke because he came in a replacement for, for Malcolm Mark. So, um, yeah. And again, going back to that, uh, terrible pundit that you referenced a minute ago, giving out that they have a seven, one split that it shouldn't be allowed. It's like, no, like they had to adapt to it. Like they have to, uh, I just don't like anybody who's like, oh, can't innovate you know you have to do it the same way everyone else is doing it otherwise it's not fair it's like no you innovate like and but the great thing about spring box is okay maybe it's not not reinventing the wheel but it's you know they are so interesting to watch and to pay attention to and to how they select their squads and how they how they run their team so um i'm really happy for them i think they i think they are a better team than new zealand um and i think they were better on the day um and it'd be interesting where they go from here i guess yeah one thing on pollard didn't miss a kick since he's come into the World Cup. Um, that's pretty pretty good. I think it was seven kicks from seven. So, you know, as as a as a bringing him in, good decision made. But Sam, what what impresses you most about the South African squad? Uh, I think the man the the fact that they won the quarterfinal, the semifinal, and the final by one point each is they've done just enough. They've done and they had a game plan that they stuck to and that they believed in. Like that France game looked like they weren't going to get it, and then they got it. And this game as well, you know. Westy talks about missed kicks for New Zealand. That's exactly it. That South Africa just didn't put a foot wrong. They did exactly what they needed to do. And I think what impressed me the most is the togetherness and the mentality that they seem to have as a squad. And that it does seem to be ingrained in them as a population as well, not just as a rugby playing squad, but they they do come across very siege mentality whenever uh, mentality illy when <laughs> whenever you interact with them, uh, with South African fans and South African journalists and online you see that they they do have this chip in their shoulder and i think that that's been harnessed really well by uh Nienbauer and uh razzy rasmus and they've managed to to ride that go from a position where they were you know losing to ireland in the group stage to go through and you know win some very very tough games have the shorter turnaround before the final all of these things i think plays on them and for other teams it would affect them mentally and for south africa i feel like it makes them stronger so that's what impressed me the most. And then, you know, 
Libach not being in the squad or uh, Reinach not being in the squad for the final after the coming off early in the semi-final, all of those things are huge, huge calls. And if they backfire, it really can be something that people will end up being critical or we throw back in your face. And it didn't backfire. They, they played it. They played it perfectly. And I think that they had a game plan that they all believed in so well. And that showed through in the way that they play. So it's a, it was an impressive win. It was a really enthralling match. And I think they are deserved winners. I personally, I'm, I'm not calling them crap winners. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I personally prefer other brands of rugby. I prefer New Zealand and I wanted New Zealand to win. Obviously, I would have liked Ireland to win or France to win because I enjoy watching those brands of rugby more. But I'm really interested in the way that South Africa play. And I think that that is just because it's not the most barbarians-esque throw the ball around expansive doesn't mean it's not enjoyable and doesn't mean that they don't have absolute fire in the back line and some unbelievable players across the board and they they managed to use all of their strengths so well like you the likes of Ches and Colby uh Faf de Klerk, Hollard they they play to all of the strengths not just the strengths of maybe the pack the way that a lot of outsiders would see I'd hear them work you know mention oh they're just brutes and it's like they're not just brutes actually they they earn the right to play and that's they do that through the power that they have up front but they have some some serious ball players as well. Yeah, totally agree. Um, they're just bloody hard to beat. Simple as. Um, we beat them. That's the annoying. I was gonna say that's the annoying part about the Irish. Uh, their tournament is that we did beat them, and now um, we have to go play them three times in the summer as well, which is going to be really interesting. They actually haven't beaten us in the last four years. I think isn't it? Every time we played them, we've beaten them. So. I think we can take moral victory from that, right, guys? <laughs> Marley, we're we the best team in the world. Yeah. We only played them once outside the World Cup, I think, didn't we? I think we played them in twice. Dublin. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. Um, anyway, uh, it was a great World Cup. Another one over four more years now. Well, sorry, as Westy corrected me the other night, three years and ten months. Um, and then the Australia one will be uh, kicking off, and Westy will be there, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, World Cup done and dusted. Uh, but now look, that was that's Mickey Mouse stuff. Uh, URC is on. Uh, this is where the big boys play. And if I if I just cast my eyes over to the the, the URC table, guys, I see number two in the table. I see Connacht, and I'll tell you what feels bloody good, especially after last year's start to the season when we had to look downwards. Uh, but we'll kick off with that game. Connacht uh, played on Saturday, played the Glasgow Warriors and bet them 34 points to 26. The exact same scoreline as round one, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and while this is only an eight-point win, me and Westy were at this game. Sammy watched it back. Connacht were by far the better team uh, all game. Uh, they should have been a lot further away in terms of scoreline. Uh, but we, you know, in classic Connacht fashion, we threw him a couple of tries. You know what I mean? Like, hey, it's, we're a generous team. Here's here's a bouncing ball off Carl Ford's foot. Take it. Uh, here's a penalty try. Take it. Uh, so stuff like that. But overall, very very impressive. Uh, like this squad that we have, and Sam, we were talking about yesterday about golf, and it's a bloody exciting and young squad. You, you look all over the pitch, and you have you have a lovely blend of young and upcoming talent. And a nice mixture of experience uh, and sort of expertise. And the likes of Joe Joyce, Killian Blade, still in fantastic form. And then you have the likes of Carl Ford, who again had a, a potential man of the match performance. Um, oh, I think he did get man of the match, didn't he? Yeah, he did get man of the match. Uh, stood, up, stood up when needed. Nailed one huge kick uh, to take us out of that kind of seven-point range to keep us, to keep us ahead. Um, and it's just a really exciting time. Two wins from two. First time they've done that since 2014-15 season, I think. Uh, that they've won the first two games of the season. Um, Ulster coming this weekend and away trip to South Africa could be a good time to go. 
there's a lot of positives, Westy, uh, basically what I'm saying, compared to last year when we were looking for any sort of positivity to kind of scrape from the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a good start. And I think it, it definitely, you know, you have to remember the contrast to last year. I think we started with our first five, four or five games on the road. Um, so our two, first two games in South Africa, wasn't it? Um, so a, a very different, contextually, a very different start to the season. Um, this time, obviously, having, you know, having having the sports ground available first off because it was the pitch was being done last year, but um, having two home games to start, I think gives you, um, it just gives you a better chance to start well, I suppose. And as you say, it's the first time we've won first two in, in you know, in nearly 10 years. So um, what I like seeing is that it, as you said, like it's a good blend. It's a good mix uh, of a squad. Uh, you know, we've, we've started three different second rows in the first two games. We're rotating players around. We're getting players in, we're getting players game time early in the season. Um, it was a trademark of Andy Farrell's reign. It looks like it'll hopefully still be the same thing with um, uh, in, in the current system that we are rotating when we don't need to to make sure players are fit and up to the speed. Um, I think JJ has been unbelievable. Uh, I haven't heard how he is. He took a pretty nasty knock halfway through the game. Um, that's the point where he relinqu- relinquished the kick injuries to Carl Ford. So I'm not sure if he's available now for the Ulster game next week or what, but I think he's been brilliant. And I think hopefully that's exactly what we need is someone to come in, someone... Um, someone to push Jack and someone to compete for that jersey, right? So it's not necessarily... So nobody is is on the team sheet without um, without competition. Um, Blady, again, uh, was unbelievable. Um, it's so good to see um, him in good form. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go, but it'll be shocking if he doesn't end up in an international camp again at some point this year, if he keeps up that standard of play. Um, yeah, we had a bit of a wobble uh, in letting in kind of cheap scores and, you know... Unfortunately, we're a team that does that. I think, other than that, though, I think especially in the second half, our defensive shape, our defensive system was really strong. We looked really solid. Okay, you're always a little bit nervous as a Connacht fan that that we're going to implode. Um, But our defence was pretty strong. And I think with a team like Glasgow, you can't lament not scoring four tries. They're a fantastic team and they kept us under pressure for the whole game. What I am really, what I do see a lot of value in is fronting up for the 80 minutes and holding them out and that never say die. Okay, they got one try at the end, but we held them out from getting back to within seven when it would have been quite easy to just let them in and let the game finish. Um, So that doggedness, that determination and I think our our overall defensive shape. Now, I know there's been errors, there's been mistakes. There's one, I mean, I think it was the, Glasgow, the second or the third try, steps back inside and just walks around someone and dots it over the line. You know, so th- there are mistakes still in the defence, but I think the defensive shape and system seem really good. It's just individual errors that let us down, which look you're going to have and you have to mitigate for, and hopefully will improve as the season goes on. But um, but Glasgow are a great team. Uh, Ospreys are, are a good team as well. I'm sure they're going to get better as the league goes on. But they're two really really impressive wins to start with, with a with potentially. Uh, a third fantastic one coming up at the weekend if we're able to hit our straps against Ulster. Sam, I think we're going to talk about it a lot, but let's just keep talking about Joe Joyce's impact on this team because he was everywhere on Saturday and he seems to be, it seems to be just easy for him. I don't want to take all the credit for the signing of Joe Joyce, but like a year before we signed him, I said if Bristol were financially struggling because of the caps on uh being reduced in Premiership, we should go after him. A former Irish under-20 player, uh, Irish qualified Bristol stalwart, and he's been a revelation. Casual fan might say, oh, he's a big brute, and that's exactly what we need, and he is. He's kind of exactly what I hoped Leva was going to be, and we didn't get that out of Leva consistently, but he looks like, Joe Joyce looks like he's going to bring that to us. But what he also brings is the ball-playing ability. He He's not afraid to get the ball in hand. He 
good on the ground as well. Uh, but there's no substitute for size and power in the pack. And he looks like he's bringing that in spades. He's also experienced 100 odd caps for Bristol. He was captain a number of times in the recent couple of years. You know, Pat Lamb put that trust in him when the internationals were away. So he is a he's a huge acquisition. He looks really he looks really comfortable already. He looks happy playing. When he got that intercept, I was like, please just open it up and just go. Uh, but he's yeah, I think we'll be talking about him a lot this year. And you'd like to hope that he's in consideration for an, a potential Irish call up at least a camp because he is he's the type of player that Ireland could do with. And if he continues the way he is, you know barring any sort of freak hopefully nothing happens but if he continues the way he is he'll definitely be in the conversation for player of the season for us because he's had two fantastic games if it wasn't for uh forward just playing completely out of skin making 20 odd tackles and playing unbelievably i think joyce would probably lean in line for a second uh man of the match performance in two games yeah let's just highlight a few other players like jj again i thought was just again all we're asking for him is to be Calm, you know, a calming influence on the on the attack and, kick, and hit his kicks, and that's what he was doing. I think it was smart to keep him on once. Obviously, he didn't do any longer damage because we didn't really have. We had four there, obviously at twelve, but then it, we didn't really have an out and out ten on the bench, and it would have been you would have been mixing and matching too much. So they handled that really well from a coaching point of view. Uh, it helped that Ford stood up and nailed his kicks, but. As I said, you look at some of the young talent like Kilgallen, Tierney, Martin. I, I love their attitudes. Kil- Tierney, Martin. Made a, made a point of going after Ollie Kebble yesterday or on Saturday and I absolutely love that because Kebble is I think one of the biggest men I've ever seen in my life in person he is huge uh, and Tierney Martin on clear outs was just gunning for him and he has that attitude about him that I love that I'd probably hate if he was an opposition team you know one of those guys uh, which I'm glad to have a few of those but there's a lot a lot of like you have Ulster coming this weekend Ulster we'll get on to them in a second but by no means hitting you know a massive amount of form and then you have that away trip to South Africa, which could be a, a good time to go down there with a bit of a World Cup hangover. You know, normally, as I said, normally the last few seasons we've kind of been looking for where can we pick up a few wins. Um, it's nice to have, be on the other side of this season, kind of like we started well, like let's keep going, let's keep the foot down. Um, it's been, and it's been brilliant. Uh, like, Ulster this weekend, Westy, look, it's an interpro, anything can happen, but you're not in nowhere fearful of Ulster, right? No, I think rightly or wrongly, some of that probably comes from the victory at the end of last season in the in the quarterfinal. Um, I think that they, they were they were much better at the weekend against Bulls um, than they were the weekend before in Zebra. Although Zebra again were strong against Osprey, so it kind of shows more that maybe uh, Zebra are on the up. Um, I think that. As, as I said before, like I think our shape and our systems look good. If we can kind of improve a little bit on our performance at the weekend, I think uh, we're definitely going to be, I def- I have no doubt that we're going to be competitive in the game. It's also, we also have home advantage, right? And that's important. Um, that's really important in, in, in these fixtures. So um, with Ulster, you know, they, um, they seem to have gone back to Billy Burns after using Jake Fannery against uh, uh, against uh, Zebra in the first week. But um as in terms of their selection, I think they're still kind of experimenting around with who their kind of best 15 is going to be. They probably won't have McCluskey or Henderson back from the Ireland squad. So we'll, you know, um, 
again, we're obviously missing a few players as well, but I think that based on current form, I think we're playing the better rugby, where that translates to a result or not at the weekend remains to be seen. Um, as you said, you know, I, okay, I can say that I don't think they know their best 15, but they are a kind of more cohesion that's been together a bit longer, was we have a lot more youth and a few more uh, newer players coming in, the likes of McNamara and Smith and, and Joe Joyce, as you guys already said. Um, so... It'll be a really interesting game. As I say, I think if we can, what we've done really well the last few games, and again, I'll credit Hanrahan with this, is we've taken the points on offer early. We've been six or nine nil up or six or nine three up after 15, 20 minutes. And that puts you in a good, confident position to go forward to then start expanding your game plan and using the kind of, you know, the, the plays and the strike moves that you have. So um, I think it's about, it's not necessarily for Kant about starting strong about starting cleverly and building on the scoreboard and then giving ourselves room to to gallop to 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 get to hit our straps to, to hit our plays so um again like ulster it's a big strong pack that they will try and bully us off the park um but i just hope joe joyce is around to uh to back us up yeah definitely and sam we'll finish on this for Connor. but when you think about the players that have to come back into this team the finleys the bundies and mac hansen obviously you know, it gives you that bit of confidence that when, a, when the likes of a Lancer do come to town or, and the big Champions Cup games, that if everyone's fit and firing on our team, we have a really good chance to probably win that game. Yeah, I think we've a, a really exciting squad depth. I was talking to you yesterday, and I think the only area in terms of depth that I would a little bit be worried about is a backup for Blade. You know, we've been blessed having Blade and Marmy in the last couple of years, having two world class scrum halves. And Blade is playing out of his skin. Colin Riley has played very well for us in the past. Uh, is a divine uh, played for the under twenties was really good, and we've signed McDonald on loan this year, so we have numbers there. But just in terms of a step down from Blade, you know, Riley, it's a big step up for him to get to that level. So that's the only area that I'd be a little bit worried about in terms of our squad depth. But then Riley could Riley could show that, that there's no need to worry with a couple of good performances. The lads to come back, even the likes of Oliver who was on the bench, come back into fitness. Uh, Jack Hart, he is injured at the moment. You know, uh, Tom Daly's not even in the conversation at the moment, and he's he's at one stage was he played every single game of the entire season. He kind of kept us afloat for a while there where we were having struggles with injuries in the centres. Then you have Porchy, you have Santi Cordero at some point, hopefully this season we might see him, but it'll be later on, well after Christmas, I'd say. So these are all massive. And then you get into next year and you're talking about like a Josh Mur- uh, Murphy coming back as well. So there's there's really, really good squad depth there. I think we brought our floor up hugely this year with some of the acquisitions and some of the lads that have left uh, i think we've, we've brought the the floor up and we've extended the height of the ceiling so we've overall just shifted the standard of our overall squad which is massive uh and that will probably show beating the likes of a Lancer on any given day is going to be an, a really really difficult task but what we've seen so far this year is that Leinster seconds aren't guaranteed wins the way they have been in the past so you know, if Leinster want to rotate players and we have our squad, we're definitely going to be in conversation. So I'm I'm so happy with the squad that we have here. And I'm really excited by the the attitude and the youthfulness and the the new faces, the old faces. I think it's blending quite well. And I think that so far Wilkins has looked like the ideal coach for doing that because he's been around for so long in different capacities. And it looks, you know, with the likes of Muldoon and Scott Fardy's defensive structure, which I've just been in, in awe of how aggressive defending we are, like, I'm really excited by this overall squad and what this squad potentially has. 
Yeah, definitely. We'll move on to uh, Leinster, which we have to go all the way down to 11th in the table. Nine places down. God, how embarrassing. Uh, they got back to winning ways, beating the Hollywood Bet Sharks, 34 points to 13. Uh, more like business as usual for Leinster. Um, and Westy, we, we, yeah, we, we knew they weren't going to be losing for too long, uh, but it's good to see that they had to actually bounce back from something. Um, and Sam Prendergast uh, impressing here at 10. Um uh, one of the questions I actually have around Leinster, and I'll throw this one to you, Westy, is with Sexton now gone, who is... Is it Ross Burns' team now, or do you throw the keys to Sam Prendergast for a lot of this season and see what happens? Uh, it's an interesting question. Like, I, like, as... Well, I think Sam Prendergast was really good at the weekend when he came on, but obviously the kind of other two games that I remember seeing him are in are the, you know, the loss in South Africa at the end of last season and... and, and here the week before uh, their last to to Glasgow, so I still don't think it's right to throw such a young lad into to, to a driving seat. Uh, by all accounts, Harry Byrne seems to be is the starting ten at the moment. Now that's with Ross Byrne still away with the World Cup, and it'll be interesting to see how much time he's given off because we didn't see. Did he play at all in the World Cup? I don't know. Uh, he played against uh, Tonga, maybe did he? Um, we didn't see a lot of him, so it'll be interesting to see if he's kept out for long and if he comes back in, then is it going to be a straight uh, straight back into the team or, or will they give Harry time? I mean, Harry, unfortunately, as we know, has a really bad injury profile, um, which has kind of uh, hampered his development a lot in the last few years. And again, I would also like not to not to punch down or anything, but like I would use that as a cautionary tale as well with, with Sam Pendergrass. If you throw these guys in, if you put too much expectations on them too young, then, you know, it can hamper their development instead of encourage it. So I think when Ross Byrne comes back in and is available, he'll probably start a couple of games. But I think that the really important point there is you're talking about, um, well, at least two different really types of 10, right? Your your Ross Byrne is your more conservative ball player. Um, he's a little bit more, uh, let's say, polished and clean and, you know, um, fine touch, get the corners take your points. Whereas if you're looking at Harry and then as well, Sam seems to be of a similar look where they're very much creative play driving tens. Um, so I think it, it could end up being a horse of course, the situation. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just such a massive gap without sex. And um, I think they'll have to be, and again, with, with Jack Nienabar coming in, there will be massive changes to the way they play rugby. And maybe that'll suit a, a, a Ross Byrne a little bit better than a Harry Byrne or a, or Sam Pendergrass. So I think it will depend a lot on the coaching and what direction they want to go because the, I think one of the worst things you could do is have somebody now try and do a giant sex and impression for the next two years, three years, however long it's going to be. You want to now evolve your game plan and adapt. And I think a new coach coming in could actually really help that. Yeah, I think, Wesley, you're fairly on the money there with the horses for courses. The one thing that I will say though, is the sex has not played that much for Leinster in the last two or three years. So they're, they're kind of, been relying on Ross Byrne quite heavily anyway. He's been 90% of the games he's played until the business end of the season have been with Ross Byrne. It's the, what happens in these big games, what happens in these quarterfinals, semifinals and finals of uh, the two competitions they're in. That's where the decision is made. I, I don't think that this is going to be Sam Prendergast's year to jump Ross Byrne for most of the season. I think that Ross Byrne will be the tried and tested because he has. It's been his team essentially from a lot of but all the seasons the last couple of years. But there's a big question to be asked there about Harry Byrne, I think, because Sam Prendergast would probably, if current form and if the last year or two and the the hype are to be believed, Prendergast would jump Harry Byrne. And then you've got a situation where you've got Harry Byrne sitting around in what should be the the youngster's kind of role, but he's 
the older player of the uh, Prendergast and Harry Byrne, then he has to look at his his decisions and decisions to make. You know, does he go looking for game time somewhere else or does he stay around? And these are all big questions. I don't think actually the loss of sex in terms of Leinster's day-to-day running of their club is going to be as visible as it is for Ireland because he didn't play as much for Leinster in the last few years. The same with us with Bundy. Like, you know, Shofty signs the, two, the two-year deal, but like, you know, he's probably not going to play any more than he played anyway, which is five to seven games a season anyway. So I'd say you'd probably get the same in Leinster. Yeah, interesting interesting debate to have though going forward. Interesting to see what they do. I think, Wesley, your point of Neenbar coming back, it, it, coming in definitely from from his role with South Africa doesn't scream Sam Prendergast, but maybe when he's out of the Razzie shadow, um, who knows, he might become a bit more uh, expansive. Just got it here. Like Sexton played five games for Leinster last year. There was round three, four, six, Champions Cup round two, uh, and then obviously the injury as well, and then round 11, but like, with the injury or and then he was banned as well for a while so uh that's you know that's not they're not looking to replace him right now uh he he had been replaced ross Byrne was playing in his place for a lot of last season um yeah the sharks it's very hard to kind of judge any of the south african teams no one playing just because they're missing a lot of players uh so there's not much point digging me really too much into that but leinster back to winning ways um, in a much tighter affair munster traveled to benetton and eked out a 13 all draw uh, Wesley, I know this hurts you deep, deep down. Um, apparently, uh, again, I didn't see this game, but Munster did really well to actually cl- to kind of scrape a draw out of it. Um, and it just goes to show you, like, there is no weak teams in this. Is the Welsh teams now the kind of fodder for the, for the league compared to, like, Zebra could have had two wins from two in these first two games, uh, you know, looking at their results. And Benetton show, you know, bring the champions over to their place. Uh, and they scrape a draw. It, it's it's been impressive so far from the Italian teams, Westy. And is this a sign of things to come? They're only going to get stronger and stronger. Well, I hope so. Um, and look, it's easy to to kind of counteract that and say, oh, like the, it was a wet day in in, in Treviso. There was I can't remember. I think everyone lost count of how many scrums there was, how many handle errors was on both sides. So it wasn't the cleanest game. It wasn't necessarily the most impressive or dominant performance. One thing I would also say, I mean, Benetton really had no line out. If if they were able to capitalize on any of the penalties or any of the kicks to touch i think they were pinged three or four times for not straight uh, and then other ones that just went awry um i mean that's what happens to them at the end of the game you know uh, once you've taken the penalty they're attacking benetton turn it over kick for touch uh and then don't throw straight to the line out and lose the ball and, and monster attack and score the, the equalizing score in the end um so i think that they'll be disappointed in that it, like it's not that they played outstanding. It's that they actually just defended really, really well. There was, I think, at least three times in the game where Munster were taking the penalties for the corner and Benetton held them out on the line. So I think that's what's really impressive. It's more, again, it's more team cohesiveness that we're seeing uh, in the Italian squads. And um, yes, you know, Benetton have been relatively competitive for the last couple of seasons. I mean, I think uh, just before COVID, they were in the top, uh, in the top six, but that was the old system of the two pools and the uh, the third played second and whatever it was. They won the Um, Rainbow Cup. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, they won the Rainbow Cup. But yeah, like they've recruited well. Jacob Maga, by all accounts, is a brilliant 10 for them. He's really exciting to watch. Um, And then like like the Rhino Smith who they signed from the Cheetahs a few years ago seems to really come into his own in the squad. It's, uh, they were impressive at times, but it was a mistake-riddled game on both sides. I think it's more a case that Munster will be really disappointed uh, that they really struggled to to create it, it kind of really reminded me of Munster at the start of last season when we didn't really know where their attacking game was going where they were building to and um, they didn't really seem to have 
much else in the locker at the minute. And I'm not saying that they don't have it. I'm just saying they didn't seem to be able to get it out in this game. So they'll be disappointed with their performance. Ben and Tom will be really disappointed in their performance. They really should have held Munster out. It's only because Munster are, you know, they're Munster. They have that doggedness. They have that uh, that similar kind of South African belief that they will win, that they will get there, that they will get over the line in the end. And, and when they got there for the draw, which was no mean feat. Um but I think, and I'm glad to say it, and I'm glad to see it, and I hope it stays. But yeah, this, the standard of the Italian clubs is getting better. I don't know if I'm going to go quite so far as to say that the uh, Welsh teams are fodder now. Um, you probably will still see Zebra bottom or, or near the bottom. But the point is that it can only be good for the league that these games no longer become gimmies, that they no longer become a, a, a technicality. You just have to go there, fulfill the fixture, and come back. Um, the fact that any team is, is strong at home can only be good for the league. And I hope that doesn't go so far as that we just only see home wins in the league. Um, like you kind of see some years in, in the French top 14. But um, yeah, the Italians are on the up. They're by no means there yet. There's still a lot to do, but it, it, it looks good for them, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and good points made there. Munster, I'm sure, will be will be fine. Uh, move on to the last team here, Sam. Ulster um, got a, a big win against the Vodacom Bulls, 26 points and 19. Uh, Ulster leading for a lot, all of the game, but looked pretty dodgy there a few minutes to go. But yet again, we've seen Ulster haven't performed to their top of their abilities, but here they are, two wins from two. Um, and a lot to be said for that. What do you think of this Ulster win here? Well, there's nothing, you can never scoff at a victory against the Bulls. You know, they're an unbelievable team. And yeah, they'd be missing a couple of players to South Africa, but uh, Ulster are missing some integral players as well. I think. Postlewaite so was playing 12 and he kind of plays more 13 usually and he's still quite young like they'll be missing McCluskey there in the centre and then Henderson you want him back but uh, and then Kitsoff will be coming in at some point so you know I'd, I wouldn't be worried if I was an Ulster fan at all they got the results that they needed uh, they only it was two tries they got yeah a lot of penalties so uh, they, they got the result they needed which in the end of the day is all that matters I think that they probably should have been a bit further ahead while they were on top early because they allowed Bulls to come back into it and scare them. And Bulls, unlucky at the end. I think that there was a call around, there was the turnover. Bulls went to corner, there was a turnover around that line out uh, that I think, if you're looking at it, it doesn't, it's, it's hard to see if it's legal or not, but it just it doesn't look clean, you know, and I think Ulster came away on the lucky side of what happened on the ground there and They'll they'll be counting their lucky stars for it, but they'll be happy with the result of the the outcome of it. Uh, there's a couple of players there that'll grow into themselves as well. I think Doak kind of looks a bit better again. He had a little bit of a down period last season, uh, parts you know after an um, initial bur- like exploding onto the scene. But they're you know they get a couple of these players back. They were riddled with injuries before the season. They have the likes of Cooney to come back, and those players will all come in and they'll all add to it. So. There, I don't think that there's really anything to worry about. I think that they'll be better than they were when we beat them at the end of last season. Again, I think that they're a better team than that. Personally, I think we caught them on a very bad set of kind, and at a very bad time for them. And that's probably still hanging over now, especially with the players away and the players that are injured. But to get the result against the Bulls at home, that's all that matters. In the end of the day, they'll be happy with that result. Yeah, Wesley, I'll throw this one to you. Speaking of tens for for Leinster and who should take it forward, who should the ten be going forward for Ulster? Billy Burns obviously is there and he's the most experienced of the players. But you know, Jake Flannery started last week by all accounts had you know but, but didn't have a bad game by any by any means. Um, and more importantly, does it necessarily matter who the ten is when you have Doak there who takes the kicks and and takes them very very you know assuredly? What 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 would you do if you're Ulster going forward? 
Um, first off, I, I, I don't think with Ulster, the 10 is as important as for someone like Leinster or, or even for Connacht. Now, I'm not saying at all that they're not important, that, they're, that they don't drive standards and drive play, but they do play a more nine-centric game than we're used to seeing. Um, I think Billy Burns is a great player. I definitely, I do think he's often treated quite harshly. Do I honestly think he's going to guide them uh, to a championship? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think if, if, if that was the case, we would have seen It'd be more obvious by now. Um, so yeah, maybe the the best thing to do now is, is to is to back youth. I think one thing they have to do this year is probably rotate a bit better and make sure that because I mean, look, the family is still very very young. So what you want to do is get him game time, get him valuable minutes, um, and build up his confidence. And I think that um, I, I'm surprised they're not in the market for for another ten. I mean, did they have another ten on the books? Because Madigan's retired, right? So he's he's gone. Did they sign anybody else? Lowry, Lowry uh, yeah. Uh, again, like I, I'm a huge fan of Lowry, but more so at Lowry at fullback than than at ten. But um, yeah, I think they'll have to rotate their tens this year and you know build a wider base in the squad because it is one position that they not that they don't have depth in, but they don't have options at. Same as exact same as us last year, really. Um, you know, we had Hawkshaw briefly, but then, then when he was injured, it, it kind of changed. Um, they have to build their game plan. They have to build to a sense that they trust a different 10 coming on. They trust a different 10 that come on and change the game. Now, as I said, it is more so around their nine that, that they base this stuff. But um, yeah, I think I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not doing a, 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 a smurf and saying throw Ben Healy on the scrap heap here, but um, I don't know. I don't know if Billy Burns the one to, to, to bring them glory. And if he's not, they need to start pushing other people into that jersey. Now, you don't have to... Like you don't drop them straight away and put someone else in and just see how it goes, but maybe managing the squad a bit better in that in that position is should be a, a goal for them this season. Just quick scrap heap update. Uh, ben Healy's been joined by Will Jordan. I think uh, I was proven right last week. Surely, surely he can't he can't deny me now. He was, yeah. it was it was a, it was nowhere to be seen in the World Cup final. I'm sure that's well above scrap heap. Like. That's not even that's pretty good scrappy. It's a pretty that's good not, scrappy. That's not even Black Bean on the curb. It's not even been picked up by the Bin Larry yet. He's got a long time to go before he's on the scrap heap. Yeah, if Ben Healy had played in the World Cup final, he probably would have been pretty uh, anonymous too. So, you know, but he didn't. So look at Dave Carney would have had been more effective. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. But look, there's plenty of room in the scrap heap. There's plenty of room. There's no there's no there's no room issues. Uh the scrap heap. So Westy, don't don't label me. Don't label me like that. Uh, yeah, no, good points though, especially with Ulster. It is fascinating to see what they do because I feel like the last two years was their window. Maybe I'm wrong on that. We'll see going forward. They could surprise us all. But even last year, I think we even said in this podcast, uh, like even though they came second, I still didn't see them winning anything, um, which maybe is just harsh. But uh, they have loads of talent. That's the scary thing. It's like there's no lack of talent. It just doesn't seem to be working. What happened a lot last year, I found, was at the start of the year, they had just just unbelievable set piece mall line out sort of thing and i think that that got worked out quite you know effectively by the end of the season i was shit scared of like the likes of tom stewart at the start of the season last year whereas at the end of the year i actually thought like i was like look connacht aren't the best mall but they're functional and that was all that you needed really to kind of to to make the game a lot more even and then you were able to look at the rest of our players and say they're on better confidence levels at the moment and that and they're in a little bit better form and that's why we managed to beat them towards the, at the end of the season in the quarterfinal so 
that's I think something that they need to address is they need to address like when they're on top and they're playing well, they're class and they're they're next to impossible to beat. But you know, Vermeulen's gone now and that's a big loss. And they, they brought in Ewers and he's going to be a good player for them. But they need to really get good at doing and get confident again in the things that they were good at. Yeah, I think confidence is a huge part of that, Sam. I think you're right. I think a lot of their their sometimes their I say issues in in because they're two wins from two, they're probably going to be top three in the in the league table as always. But it's that next hurdle that they should be trying to overcome, and they just haven't seemed to do it yet. But only one team wins every year, so it's tough. Uh, we'll wrap it up there, boys. Uh, slightly shorter one this this today just because of time constraints, but. Uh, we got everything in that we wanted to get in. As always, appreciate you listening, and always appreciate the lads coming on. Uh, we're back next week uh, for purely just URC. No more, no more World Cup. It's done. Uh, we're back after an Interpro, an early season Interpro. Nothing like it. And we're back next week to recap that. So as always, boys, appreciate it. Night night. Cheers.